Hi, this is Kelly Hall with the Longview Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to Longview Now podcast, sponsored by Stemco, an impro company making our roads safer. Hi, everyone. Today, we have a special guest, Michael Clements, who is the owner of PDQ Trucking, and he serves on my board. And for those of you who are regular listeners, you know that we like to talk about why young families, young adults love to move to Longview, bring their families with them, and enjoy the great offerings to live, work, and play. So Michael is, um, how do I word this politically correct? He's one of the younger board members for the Longview Chamber of Commerce, a young professional. That's how I should phrase this, a young professional. What a dynamo, entrepreneur, podcaster, storyteller, um, and and he's a little bit mischievous too. So we're going to have some fun on this podcast, I'm sure, because he's already warned me he's going to try to turn the table, but I've warned him back. And you listeners know that that probably will I will win on this one. So we're going to have some fun today to kick off the new year. And I'm going to say happy new year. It's 2023, everyone. It's hard to believe we're past the holidays. It's a beautiful day in Longview, Texas, and we're ready to launch 2023. So let's get this show on the road. All right, Michael, I'm going to throw you some softballs first. All right, let's go. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Liberty City. I attended Sabine schools out there for all 13 years growing up. And I did spend four years in Fort Worth at Texas Wesleyan University and moved. I graduated on a Friday and moved back home on a Monday and started in our family business. So I've pretty much been in East Texas my entire life. So for those of you who don't know where Liberty City is or Sabine schools, why don't you quickly kind of give them on a map? Where are we from? Where is that from Dallas? Shreveport, Houston, and Longview. So we're still in Gregg County out in out in Sabine, Liberty City. I live in Longview now, but uh, growing up out there, we were a little I-20 town. Uh, we uh, Growing up, all, all we had was a Dairy Queen and a Subway. Now there's a Sonic and a Whataburger out there. It started to grow a little bit. Metropolis. Uh, yeah, Metropolis, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a great place. It was a fun place to grow up, small community. You knew everybody that was there. Uh, and, and really a lot of uh, who I am today was, was made out there in Sabine. So is Sabine named for the Sabine River? That would be my guess, but a lot of folks don't know it. Now, people that live out there do. The original name was Hogeye, Texas, and Liberty City was the name that it was whenever it incorporated at one point. So it was incorporated for maybe a year or two. I think they had a mayor and then it, it, it dissolved pretty quickly. So it's just a small community. Uh, the city The city lines are actually Kilgore and Gladewater, and it's split between the two. So with the Sabine River being out there, did you play on the river? I never played. I know I never played on the river. I, I've known people that that do and, you know, do the alligator gar and, and all of that. But no, I've never I've never done anything on the river. He's really grinning. So I don't know if he's saying this because his dad's <laughs> listening or if that's really a true statement. But I'm not going to push. Well, I, you know, dad, whenever I was younger, he would take me out to the Sabine River. We'd shoot BB guns at cans floating down the river and stuff. But outside of that, no, not too much time on the river. Not too much time. I thought that might probe kind of a really cool childhood memory. So when you think about your childhood, Mm -hmm. um, younger than 18, let me just preface it. What's your favorite memory? Oh, favorite memory whenever I was a child. Um, You know, just probably... 
it, I don't know if there's like one that I can just land on Kelly, but I would say it was just how, how well my parents treated me growing up. I mean, they took good care of me. They always wanted to make sure I was making the right decisions, but they let me make decisions for myself at a young age. And my dad, I would always talk through things with me. Uh, I can remember as a kid, I guess one of my memories was, you know, dad would take me on sales calls with him. So I had this little briefcase. So, you know, I was six, seven years old and I had a briefcase and I'd go with him. I had, you know, all my business papers inside and stuff, but that was, uh, you know, my parents just, they, they brought me up in a way I was an only child, that they, they let me make decisions for myself, as you had mentioned, a little mischievous at times. I mean, living in a place like Liberty City, you, you know, it was either uh, don't do anything or get in trouble. And sometimes we did get in a little trouble. But uh, I had a good time as a kid and have a lot of good memories, um, whether it was sports, family. We had a very close family, got together every Thanksgiving and all the holidays. So I was beyond blessed growing up with a great family and a great support system. I love that your dad would take you on sales calls. Um, you don't see that very much today. And the fact you had your little briefcase, I, I can just picture that in my mind. Um, and then the fact that you're an entrepreneur, do you think that's where that dream started? You saw your dad and I'm not saying he, I'm not going to say he's a wheeler dealer, but when you think of a sales call, you're, and your dad's in the energy business, he, I mean, I bet you got to walk into some pretty powerful offices and you, you were allowed to hear conversations most six-year-olds didn't get to hear. Uh, I would definitely agree. And, and so he started Energy World Fab in 1990 and as an, as an entrepreneur, someone who set out by himself to, to start a business. And, and, and he started that here in White Oak, which is still where we're located today. And he, from a young age, I mean, I would go into the office with him on weekends when it was just him working. He would take me on sales calls with him. He would take me to golf tournaments with him. Like there wasn't a whole lot, even at a young age, that he wouldn't take me to do. Even with his friends going to Cowboy games, he always made sure I had a ticket, even at 10, 11 years old. And so my dad and I have always had a really, really tight and great relationship. But through those things, though, when it came to business, it was something that was always a part of who I was. And there was no doubt in my mind, really, probably at about probably 12, 13 years old, I knew exactly what I was going to do and it was going to be in business. Now I, I loved baseball and I thought there for a little while, maybe I could be a pro baseball player, but you know, as you start growing up and your body starts developing, you start realizing that maybe I'm not a professional athlete, but, uh, I always enjoyed the idea of possibly being a professional businessman. And, and that was ingrained in me at a young age. I love that. And it also makes me think about our brand promise. So in 2007, the Longview Chamber, Longview Economic Development Corporation and the city of Longview went together and we spent a, quite a bit of time polling and investigating who we are from the lens of others. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that just has stood out to me over the years has been we are a get things done community. We're always forward thinking. And we have a very strong value system in our community. And the way you were raised just exemplifies why we are the way we are. It's because you had a family who believed in you and wanted to see you become successful. And the only way you can teach people how to dream is let them be part of your dream. And I think that's why Longview in East Texas is so special is because that's our mindset. We, it's not about me. It's about we. And how do we bring others along with us to help them live their dreams and be successful? 
your dad planted such a great value in you. Uh, he's to be commended. So yeah, I, well I, done. I really have a wonderful, wonderful parents and and just beyond blessed. I mean, Kelly, I was an only child growing up. My dad was the youngest of, I believe it was eight children and grew up dirt poor in Kilgore, um, you know, on, on the other side of the tracks. And that's how he grew up and, and to grow up and to be a businessman that he was and to to have the strong-willed mom that I had. I mean, she had to put up with both of us in the house and both of us were also strong-minded. So you can imagine she had to be strong-minded with us to keep us both disciplined and, and on task. But, you know, I think that's also why it's important. I mean, I, I have a beautiful and loving wife that makes sure that I'm in the right places at the right time and, and I'm dressed appropriately and doing the things that I need to do. So, you know, it all starts in that support system and what you, what you have and who's holding you accountable. I think even the best have to have someone holding them accountable. And that was really what my mom was able to do with my dad and I. Hey, there's some golden nuggets here. Golden nuggets here. What's the best compliment you've ever had? Mm, the best compliment I've ever had. I, you know, I don't know if there's like anything that like comes to mind as like the best compliment, but I, one of the things that, that I can always appreciate is when someone just asks your advice on something that that's an, a compliment in itself. So whenever someone says, what would you do here? Or how, how do you think we should do this? Or just in court, you know, asking you to be a part of a project or something that in my mind is always a compliment and something I take very serious uh, whenever those opportunities come up. So we may get into this a little bit more as the discussion moves forward. But for our audience to know, Michael serves on the board for Martin House, with a, which is a child advocacy center that works with kids that have been, have either experienced, well, they have experienced some horrific thing in their life. They've been abused as a part of that experience. Um, but it the it's a case that goes before the court system. And Michael volunteers with this organization. He serves on the board. And this organization is getting ready to move forward with a capital campaign. And so I think it's you can see where Michael's values are and his love for family, his love for community. And when he, you see where Michael volunteers, it demonstrates that same passion. And so I hope we get to get into the Martin house in a a little bit and you tell that story. I think that would be cool. Yeah, the Martin House, it's it's definitely something close to me and, and being part of the community and wanting to do things that that make our the place around us a better place was something that I mean, it, that, that was in our family. Right. I mean, that's something that was passed down to me. I didn't just wake up one day and say, I need to be good at community service. That's something that was a part of me and who I am and, and our family since a young age. It's something that I saw growing up. So now I want you to go back. You're 18 years old. You've just thrown the cap off that graduation, uh, off your head at graduation, that robe's on, and you're laughing with your friends, and you know everything at 18. But now, if you were going to go back and have a conversation with your 18-year-old self, how would that conversation go? Well, it could go a couple of different ways, (laughs) Kelly. Um, You know, I I moved to Fort Worth. So we'll leave some of those stories in Fort Worth. But, um, you know, I would probably at 18 years old, go back and tell myself, 
Uh, one, I, I knocked out college in four years and moved back home and went to work. I would definitely tell myself, stay one more year or get your master's. Either take your time a little bit more and enjoy one more year of your young 20s. Uh, or I would have said, hey, stay in college and get your master's at Wesleyan or in the Fort Worth area. I moved back and I started on my master's uh, at UT Tyler. I, I didn't complete it. I started a business instead. And uh, I was told, well, that's like getting a PhD. So just move forward with your business. But uh, you know, I'd probably tell myself at 18, stick around in college, but also, um, you know, when it came to like social media, like Facebook had just came out, uh, a few months really before I had gotten in college. And I'd say like, be careful with the things you post on Facebook, be careful with the things that the, the type of pictures and the party pictures, cause it was a very college group and, and college age people at the time on Facebook. Now all those same pictures, you know, I've got buddies from college that, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in these pictures and they're still tagged in them and all this on Facebook. So I would just say, be careful with things like that too, uh, at 18 years old. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but I would say, Kelly, you know, at 18 years old, I wish I'd have known more about what social media was going to become. Had that vision. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I mean, I, I did stay out of trouble on Facebook. There were probably some pictures on there. I probably wouldn't have appreciated or wouldn't really care to see nowadays, but nothing that was just, you know, too wild. Um, but that's, that would be something I would tell myself. And I would hope that I would share that with others. And then I played golf at Wesleyan as well. And I would have told myself work harder, play, play practice more, work harder, take the opportunity a lot more serious. Did you play on the golf team? I did. Yeah. I played for uh, two and a half years. And uh, that third year, I probably was playing some of the best golf in my life. And I could not crack the top five at Texas Wesleyan. And I told myself, man, it, like you're playing the best golf I think you possibly can right now. I was I was scratching better some rounds and and I, I just couldn't crack it. I mean, we had we were a nationally ranked team in AI every single season, top three in the in the country. So we had we had an uh, we had a ton of talent on the team: Mexico, uh, Colombia, uh, uh, South Korea. We had players from all over the world. So it was really exciting getting exposed to that. But at the same time, these players could play, and they came in ready to play and, and wanted to. So it was a challenge. And uh, uh, yeah, I would probably tell myself to, to to practice a little harder, take it a little more serious. But I, I enjoy I enjoyed my time doing it, and and there's a lot of things that I learned during that time that I didn't know that I was learning that now I can apply to my life. Such as, uh, you know, I'd probably say just that thing of work harder, regret, right? Like I always tell, uh, I tell my wife, Kate, I'm like, you know, listen, like I, I want to get a, I don't have any tattoos, but I've thought about putting it, getting a ghost put on me. That way, like I don't want to be haunted by my regrets later in life. It's something that like you're always kind of outrunning whatever you could have been. Right. And I want to accomplish those things for, for others, for the people around me, for myself, for my family. And it's important that like, you shouldn't live in fear of regret, but at the same time, you should know that if you, if you don't make some of these decisions or if you, if you, uh, you know, pass up too many opportunities, you may be passing up the one that could have been the one that really you, you wanted or needed in your life to make the progress. So, you know, just trying to get out of that comfort zone and do those things. Man, great advice. Now we're going to think about the future. All right. When you think about Longview, mm -hmm. what do you see that's different in five years? 
Hmm, five years. Uh, I'm sure we'll add another chain restaurant or two, Kelly. Um, <laughs> um, no, whenever I think of Longview in the next five years, you know, I hope part of that is what we're working on at the Martin House. I hope that's going to be part of that five year, uh, five year thing. And but th- you know, there's 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 great improvements that started years ago around Longview, and I, and I'm excited to see a lot of those come to fruition over time, uh, and being a part of the chamber and getting to hear about the projects, the campaigns that others are also doing in the city. I see a lot of really great things happening around. And I, I just see our community starting, you know, continuing to grow. The people that move into it generally are ones that contribute and add to our city and what we're trying to do here. So I, I don't know. I, I really see a, a community that's that's going to take what it's already good at and continue to grow. I mean, we, you know, we also want more, more businesses and things to move in. I think that there is an entrepreneurial spirit in Longview that maybe just five, 10 years ago, it didn't seem like it was there, but you see new businesses, new restaurants, new things popping up all over the place. A lot of real estate's changed hands really in the last few years too. So it'll be exciting to see in the next five years, how all that really starts to develop and what happens. I like it. So you talked about Martin House. Let's talk about what do you see happening with Martin House in the next five years? So, you know, we're going to be going public at some point with a capital campaign. And we, we do want to build a new facility for the Martin House. Currently, we're operating out of a couple of duplexes over off of Garfield in South Longview. And if you've ever toured the facility, uh, you would understand why we need a new facility and why we've got to get one built and why it's so important to our executive director and our board. Uh, hats off to Roxanne and the work that she's able to do in the Longview and Harrison Gregg County community. Community, Marion County as well. Um, so the, but the Martin house, uh, I'm excited about what we've got going on there. It's, 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 you know, it's a challenge, Kelly. I've never been in a position where I, I've, I've had to do fundraising and things like that at, at the level that we're looking at, but you know, it's, it's like I said, you know, you have to get out of your comfort zone. If you, if you want to really see who you can be and, 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 take responsibility for what, you know, you've kind of been entrusted with. I mean, you know, not trying to get off on, on a tangent, but like, you know, I feel like we're all put here for a purpose. We all have a reason why we're supposed to be here. You know, business is what my purpose at this time, but I believe it's these businesses and the things that I'm working on now, they're going to allow me to really double down later in life on the community and the work that I'm able to do for nonprofits and things. And so to me, the Martin house is part of that journey and whatever I can learn at this point in time through this capital campaign and how we get this thing done is what's going to be those stepping stones probably for the rest of my life. So if someone who cares about kids, who has a heart for helping kids that are hurting, because these kids are hurting at a root level, I don't even understand. Mm -hmm. I've never been exposed to that. How can they help? I know where do they who do they contact if they want to make a monetary pledge and start donating money towards the campaign? How does that look? So you can go on to the Martin House website or you can contact the Martin House. Roxanne Stevenson is our executive director. You can also contact me. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, there's multiple different ways to get a hold of me. Um, and if you would like to make a monetary uh, contribution to the Martin House, whether it's the operating fund or to our ongoing capital campaign, uh, we we would love to have that. And, and we're, we're going to need those resources, right? So if you're, if you're touched by whatever we're talking about today or if any point you hear someone talking about the Martin House and you think you need to make a decision or a contribution to our organization, I would definitely invite it. And, and I, I would really encourage it. I think there's a lot of great, uh, there's a lot of great nonprofits and organizations in Longview, Kelly. Uh, but right now is the time that the Martin House really needs the city and the county behind it to be able to get this done. And, and you know, we've kind of talked about it. You know, you go through seasons on things and right now, 
the the Martin House is in a season that it's got to be able to secure and get this facility built. It's going to be a game changer for Longview and the children and how and how the services that they're able to provide in the event that they have been assaulted. And and it's happening every day, Kelly. I think that's what's wild is that people don't understand how often that this is happening right here in our own backyards, in our own neighborhoods. And the first time you walk into the Martin House and whenever you go into uh, some of the different rooms there and, and then you hear about what happens in those rooms and what the kids have to go through and the trauma that's involved in those assaults and how often they have to relive it whenever they're telling their story and how often they have to tell that story and the things that the Martin House can do to limit what the kid has to go through for, for themselves, for their mind. I mean, every time they have to tell that story, Kelly, they're having to relive it. Right. And so the idea is that the better your facility, the more services you can offer, that may be one less, two less, three less times that that child has to tell that story. And in the Martin house, the work that they're able to do there is absolutely amazing. Um, But one room specifically is the forensic room. And I'm telling you, if, if you, if, if you walk in that room and you don't get chill bumps the first time, you're not, you, you're not a human being. It is, it's, 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 it, yeah, it, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a different kind of feeling. It's something that we want to block out and put in the back of our minds and put in a box and, you know, lock it up and say, this never happens, but unfortunately it does, but there is a way that any of us can impact it in a positive way. And whether it's through a monetary contribution, prayer, whatever it may be for the Martin house. And as we uh, set out on this capital campaign, uh, it's, it's going to take everybody in Longview uh, in, in, in Greg County. Perfect. Well, we wanted to give that a little plug and spend some time on that. So you're in the trucking business. Yes, what ma'am. is the common myth about your business? Ooh, you make tons of money. I think that's the that's the common myth. There's a lot of good trucking companies out there, a lot of good transportation businesses here in East Texas. I mean, logistics is a huge part of what we do here in East Texas, uh, whether it's our company or anybody else's. And I think there's like a myth around it that one, it's easy and two, you can make lots of money in it. How many people say, I think I'm going to get a truck and I'm going to lease it on somewhere. Or I'm going to I think I'm going to hire a driver and get a DOT number. Right. And I, I found through trucking that you come across a lot of, lot of great people and you have to, you really have to know what you're wanting to do in the business, right? Cause there's so many different ways you can go, whether it's drive-in, refrigerated, flatbed, oversized, interstate, intrastate, like there's just so many different ways, but uh, it's a, uh, it's a fun business. I mean, my business has evolved. Um, February 14th will be 10 years in business. So um, what we started at as a trucking company, we've completely really evolved into more of a freight brokerage and a logistics company. We still do some trucking here ourselves, but really our job is, and what I tell everybody is like, I don't want any freight coming into East Texas or any freight going out of East Texas that we don't know about here. And in the line of work we're in, anybody can call us for a shipment and you're more than likely we're going to put it on a truck that also originates that or that is owned by a owner here in East Texas. So whereas I got into the trucking business and I was competing with all these people, now I'm more in a position that we're feeding these people loads and we're trying to keep the East Texas trucking companies busy. Awesome. That is a... Great goal to have, too. <laughs> it goes back to the we versus me That's right. uh, mentality. So in the logistic distribution business, what is the biggest challenge you face? 
Mm, I, I would probably say it's communication and and really transparency. It's not that people don't want to be open and transparent or communicate effectively. It's how you get answers out of people, how you get them to talk about things. And, you know, if you're going to have a delay on a shipment, sometimes people don't want to mention that. And it's like, hey, let's just have this conversation. If it's going to be late, it's going to be late. We need to talk about it. Don't don't tell me you think you're going to be there at 11 and you know you're not going to be there till one. Right. So I think just communication is probably probably one of the biggest challenges, but just like anything else we found in, in the last 10 years, we've been able to get better as it better at the communication as it goes on and how you, you can really process it. You can process bad communication out of your business in this, but you have to be, uh, I guess you have to have good training involved with that, but you also have to be process oriented and you have to have buy-in from everyone that says, Hey, we're moving in this direction. But when it comes to communication, I'd say it's the biggest challenge in logistics. Interesting. So when you think about uh, the federal administration, mm-hmm. has have you had any policy challenges in the last year or two? Uh, one of See the, anything coming up? One of the big challenges is that freight brokers, we deal with uh, dispatch services and dispatchers. You can you can you can find on Instagram, right? It'll be one hundred dollars and you can buy this kit that'll teach you how to be a dispatcher. And Right now, there's a lot there's a lot of talk right now at the federal level about how to limit what dispatchers are able to do, because a lot of times they're really just unauthorized, unauthorized brokers. They're doing the same job we are. We have to have a seventy five thousand dollar bond. We also have to have a DOT number. We have to be registered with the federal government. There's a number of hoops that we have to jump through to be able to do our business. Well, dispatchers sometimes will start their businesses up working for the trucking companies. But if you start communicating with shippers, now all of a sudden you're really doing what we do and you're taking a shipment from a shipper and then you're finding a carrier to do it. And I think there's been a lot of gray lines and a gray area there for freight brokers and the last few years that I think we're finally starting to get that worked out. And I think in some point next year, they're actually going to be releasing some regulation on this and what constitutes a freight broker and what constitutes a dispatch service. Interesting. Well, as a chamber of commerce, Michael, you know, protecting the backs of business is our number one objective. And so it's always good to stay abreast of what's happening at the state and federal levels to make sure we're just paying attention. That's right. So let's end on a, something fun. All right, let's do it. What are three movies you'd recommend and why? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, Happy Gilmore, um, probably just I, I love Happy Gilmore. Um, I, I wish I like had like, you know, a bunch of inspirational movies to give you, really. But I love the Avengers, Kelly. I, like, I, I just I love the Avengers. Uh, big Avengers fan. Uh, the Marvel movies are, are generally just great movies. So I, I love the Marvel stuff. And if I, if I am digging in my bag, I really love the movie Rudy. Since I was a kid, I've been a big Rudy fan. If it's on TV, I'll even sit through the commercials just to watch it. And actually at my house, I have a, a Rudy Rudiger signed Notre Dame helmet. So I'm just, I'm a big Rudy fan. I love the story of like a kid who came from nothing. Everybody's telling you can't do it. You can't do it. And, and that persistence that he has the dedication, not only just to Notre Dame football, but to himself and understanding who he knew he could be, even though everybody was telling him that he couldn't, uh, that story just has always resonated with me. So I'd probably say, you know, happy Gilmore, terrific movie. Um, the, you know, the Marvel, the Avengers movies, and then yeah, Rudy, I think that, that that's the, you know, kind of three, three movie categories I like to play in. 
What a great way to start the year. So in Longview, Texas, we like to get things done. We're forward thinking. And like Rudy, we're going to go all in to, to do the best we can. I love it. So I think that's a great way to start the new year. Well, on behalf of the Longview Chamber of Commerce, thank you, Michael Clements at PDQ Logistics um, for being with us today. A big thank you to Stemco, an Impro company, making our roads safer. And thank you to you, our listeners. And I hope you will join us again next month. Signing off, Kelly Hall. <laughs>